1: Acast powers the world's best podcasts. Here's the show that we recommend. Hello, I'm Greg Jenner. I'm the host of You're Dead to Me, and we are back for Series Five. Yes, it's the comedy show that takes history seriously. And on this series, get ready to hear about Frederick the Great of Prussia with Stephen Fry, no less. I'm just thrilled at this history lesson. Or learn a fair old amount, that's a pharaoh joke, about ancient Egyptian queen Hatshepsut with Kima Bob. What a vibe. And take a stitch in time as we discuss the Bayer Tapestry with Lou Sanders. Ooh, I'm a gog. Plus we have many other lovely historical subjects where we'll we're joined by top historians. That's You're Dead to Me with new episodes every Friday. Johnny Good, isn't it? ACast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACast.com Peacock Streaming. The biggest sports and live events on the planet. From Super Bowl 56.
2: What a game this
1: is. To complete coverage of the Winter Olympics. Streaming every event. Every day, yeah. it's all unprecedented. the unprecedented United States, unstoppable, sensational, unbelievable sports to love. Sign up now at peacocktv.com. Mirror man,
2: mirror man. you twist and turn my
3: mind until I don't know who I am. Mirror man. Good morning and welcome to an on the whistle podcast. Today I am welcomed by three guests. I am with Dom. Welcome back, Dom.
0: Hello, mate. How's it going?
3: It's going great. Good to have you back.
0: Thank you, man. Thanks for having me.
3: I'm with Matt. Matt,
4: uh, hi, Pete. You all right?
3: And I'm with Johnny. And I'm Pete. Are you cold? Uh, yeah, we're, we're actually freezing cold. It is really, really cold in uh, in New York. Uh, it, it looked windy in London. Earlier on today, is it is it is it that way in Essex?
2: Yeah, it's vile, mate. Vile, Randy. I was going to say my heart bleeds for you in New York. It's minging over here. I, do you know what? We haven't even been out the house, and it never even became a potential outcome for today. Just looked outside in the morning and went, "Fuck it, we'll deal with it another day." Not not going out. No chance whatsoever.
4: Ah,
3: oh, yeah. Good boy. I'm glad everybody's living in a world of cold. So we've got um we've got a weird result out there today. It was a nil nil. I think everybody's kind of thankful and um, feels a little bit lucky, but at the same time frustrated that maybe more could have happened. So today's podcast is going to follow a very simple structure. We're going to do the good. We're going to do the bad. And we're going to do things that need to be talked about after. So if you've, you can, you can ponder those, maybe not even related things that we can talk about at the end. So I'm going to start off um, Let's all get some hot takes on performances. Dom, as you as you you're back, um, I wanna I wanna put you up first. Give us your hot take on uh, the 0-0 draw with Man United that we've just watched.
0: Yeah, fresh pair of eyes. Um, it, listen, it was good. It was it was it was good. I think before the game coming into that, you'd say you would have you would have taken the draw. Um, being in the game, I guess as Arsenal fans, you get a little frustrated. Um, again. Good performances from people we've kind of, well, I was going to say, you know, we've kind of backbenched, but, you know, William had a good and a bad spell, maybe more good than he's had since the opening day. Xhaka wasn't terrible. Cedric, he opened the game pretty bad with that yellow card, but then kind of grew into it. Um, and I guess those performances as well bode well for our run, like, coming up as well. So these guys are starting to play well, starting to grow into the team. Um, you know, when Tiffany is, and Saka's around, before you would have said, oh, we're in trouble. But, you know, we, we didn't look too bad. So, all in all, um, I'm pretty happy. But um, there is a slight pinch of uh, frustration as well.
3: Matt, are Arsenal moving into a good phase of Project Arteta when you can say Willian wasn't that bad and Cedric was... Also not that bad. Are we Are we moving along?
4: I think so. I think um, things were so bad at the end of last year, weren't they? And then uh, we obviously... Um, Chelsea was the game that tr- transformed our season, basically. And since then, we, th- we were top of the form table going into today. So things are definitely improving. Uh, we got out of that slide. Um, so definitely lots of positives. And now that the dust has settled on this... I think we can I think it's probably fair to say it was a it was a fair result today.
3: Johnny, how are you feeling um uh, the the standard of football has definitely improved um over the course of you being on the podcast. Uh, a 0-0 draw with Man United. How did you come away? Feeling lucky or or feeling a little bit frustrated that um that we could have done more?
2: Um so overall a little bit frustrated actually I did I had a little sneaky feeling going into this game I thought we could do it and the way the game played out it was kind of reinforcing the fact that I think we could have won on a different day um there are some bones of contention first of all with Dom I can't say William played well man I'm sorry this guy's missed a big chance like for me you know I'm I'm ready to cut my losses with him I'd I'd get him, usher him out the back door he's Dross, and I really, really find him objectionable when I see him on the field. Awful player, really upsets me. In terms of the um the kind of resurgence under Arteta, look, I'll hold my hands up. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I was saying that I think it's not uh, like I was banging Arteta out. Got to get like there was never any hate towards him. It was just I just didn't see us turning it around, and I still think he should be playing week to week, like feeling that he's got something to prove this season. But there's no question, right now, we have improved. It does, as Matt say, said, look like we've turned a corner. We, What I hoped would have come out of the Chelsea game did actually happen, which was Arteta seemed to learn that the kids were going to be his salvation. And he has backed them, so then I will back off him because he's seen that much. Um, and, you know, when you look at the game, uh, there were a lot of kind of talking points around it. For me, I thought... A negative was that that's the worst game I've seen Thomas Party play in an Arsenal show. I thought he was actually quite poor today, um, which, you know, it shows the man's human. And I'd still think he's even classy in his bad game. He wasn't, wasn't granite Xhaka awful, like when he has a stinker, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, but um, apart from that, it was nice to see Martinelli getting minutes. And what he adds when he is uh, just that kind of, you know, engine eternal, constant pressure, and you saw when Willie Ann did come on for my money, Dom. Anyway, <laughs> um, there was a drop off in intensity, and I would have liked to have seen that opportunity that Willie Ann got come to Martinelli. I thought he would have finished it. And uh, and lastly, just you know, for me, Emil Smith Rowe again, very positive. Uh, the guy's lovely, takes it in tight spaces, lovely bits of vision. You know, Cedric was decent, but I thought those guys kind of stood out as good performance today.
3: Yeah, I, I, I can't. I've. I've let the, the dust has settled. It's an hour after the game. I feel pretty positive about that. Arsenal and Manchester United, I believe, were the form teams in the league going into that game. And you know, we might call Ole Gunnar Solskjaer a PE teacher, and he definitely looks like one on the sidelines. But it's difficult to ignore the good job that he's doing over at United. And it's also like you know, when you were looking at those starting 11s going into the game, Man United had a lot more experience. Um, in that 11 and for Arsenal to go into that missing three of their key players and to come out with a draw that maybe could have tipped into a win I thought was a positive but the most positive thing um, that came out of the game for me especially after the the first three months of the season was the creativity Um, and we had 17 shots against Manchester United when we could barely muster 10 um, against teams that were bottom of the league so I feel like we progressed there and I wanted to have my, hold my hands up as well because I was very anti-Nicholas Pepe being given another chance in, in that starting eleven. Um, a lot of fans are, are addicted to Pepe in the same way that they were with Meza Ozil. I feel like he's been given a lot of chances um, to, to shine. But by hook or crook, he was, he was given a chance today. And I, I thought, you know, I want to talk about Pepe because he created the most chances in the team. He created three chances. Um, I think early on in the game, players didn't want to pass to him. Like he made some really mm-hmm. good runs. I'm thinking about Lacazette um, and Party having speculative shots from 25 yards instead of feeding him in. And he took the game by the scruff of the neck. I thought he was accountable. Um, and, uh, you know, on another day, those little low shots could have, could have dropped in. But, I, I, you know, I want to talk about Nicholas Party. Are we seeing um, a, a rebirth, Matt?
4: Um, well, look, I'd like to think so. Um, but you know, I saw people saying on Twitter, you know, he's finally coming good and all this. It's like, he's been at the club nearly two years. You know, he, this isn't about acclimatization. It's just about the type of player he is. And he is such a confidence player. And the problem with that is, um, I feel like it's okay to be a bit of a confidence player, but you also need to just be able to sometimes just get on with it and find some form and, You know, I go back to the performance he put in in the FA Cup final last year where I thought he was excellent. You know, that was like a year ago. You know, he hasn't, or half a year ago. And he's just, there's just been no sort of sense of progress. There's been the the odd patchy game. So um, I don't have a huge amount of faith in him coming good at Arsenal. I thought he had a better game today for sure. I agree with all of that. I think um, if we had Saka and Aubameyang, he wouldn't be in the team. Um, and I think I still am of the belief that we're better off trying to get rid of him as quickly as possible.
2: Do, do you know? Do you know what? Like I completely get your points there. I think they're completely valid. Like your reasoning and stuff. The problem is though, you know, when you look at say a, a character like Eddie and Ketia, every time he gets given a chance, he just does not deliver. He's not good enough. Pepe does look like when he's playing well, he has enough to terrorise Luke Shaw. I thought he was terrorising him at times. Luke Shaw was calling for help, like he was getting run all the time. And yeah, you know, he took. what I like to see is his confidence to take those shots on. When one of the biggest issues with regards to Arsenal's attack are people being shot shy. Like, I don't know whether it's from management level or whatever. People are, oh no, try and make the beautiful goal. And it's been going on for years. But at least Pepe was taking responsibility to try and, um, you know, break the deadlock, and and that's that's fair play. Again, I don't want to just keep harping on about him. But William, for instance, is the opposite end of the you know spectrum, and I do think that at this stage, um, you know, some even if you're not fully convinced by him, some credit has to be paid to Pepe. We were talking about him like we don't think we'd we'd catch a tenner for him if we tried to sell him do you know what i mean like, he's, that, he's that in that much of disarray but right now he's looking like a geezer who can play against man united and looks to be honest like one of the most dangerous players on the pitch so yeah, but, you know but remember that we
4: played man united a year, almost a year ago and he was pretty good and he scored a good goal and it's more just the case of i feel like we've seen it before and then he doesn't kick on yeah. You know, because cause he he did it a year ago. He was like, oh my god, he's coming good. It's the turn of the year. It's like Pirès all over again. He just needed half a season, and then it just goes back into the same old stuff. And I think that one of the key questions is: Do we think that players can change their mentality? Like william and we always just judge people so broad brushstroke. But we're like William, he doesn't care. Pepe, he's just a bit weak. Like, can he? Can he become? Can like. Can he instinctively get a mentality more like a Smith Rowe or a Martinelli or a Tierney? And then they just, you can just tell they're just focused in the right way and they're not going to stop at anything to get to the top. Whereas you feel like the mentality of Pepe, of Eddie, of Willock, nothing against any of them as people. It's just, they just seem a bit weak.
2: Yeah,
0: definitely. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, with, with Pepe, I think last time I was on, I kind of said, I just kind of feel like he needs, three or four games of just like, all right, you know, we've got our little flow now. We know kind of what's happening. We're playing 4 uh, four, two, three, one and all these kind of bits and pieces. Go and play. And then you've got a red card against Leeds. So then that was chop and change and then blah, blah. Um, I think, he's, like you say, he's a confidence player. So while he's, he's kind of hot on the left and all the right, I reckon play him, give him his time, let him, let him do what he's got to do. Um, I mean, he scored a goal. He probably could have had one today. Um, I I mean I like him, and then just to defend my stance on Willian, because I'm getting pelters here. Um, <laughs> he he don't get me wrong. All you got to do is like look back at some of my tweets. I I dislike the guy as a footballer. Like, let's have that clear. <laughs> but I thought defensively he was really good. Uh, Martinelli defensively was really good, and I don't think we missed much defensively when he went off, as I thought he would. And going forward, he was poor. That's probably where he had his poor parts of the game. But um, he beat, he went round one, Bissaka, for a cutback for, for um, Pepe. Pepe, yeah. He was good. He should have scored, but I guess it was a, a good block, kind of like the Pepe shot as well it was, a, it was a good block. Um, and hey, look, uh, he's been better than he was before. He was yes. pretty awful before. So. I mean the
4: one the one thing to, like I just saw that uh, Arteta said that Pepe uh that sorry that uh Willian for Martinelli was tactical. It wasn't an injury. So I oh, guess right. that's good I guess that's good news uh, that Martinelli's not injured. It's a strange decision. And, and bad news for Arteta. <laughs> what are you
2: doing? But
4: but we were much better second half than first half. So maybe and we had a lot more control of the game. And I've seen a few people on, on you know, it's that old, old, but he you know when the player plays shit, but they're like, Oh, but he gave us so much more control. Like nah. the Xhaka the Xhaka apologists use that one a lot. But oh, no. the same the same one's been brought out. And gone. Maybe you know, William was the reason for a lot more of the second half control. I mean,
2: mm. I mean, uh, yeah, just to say on Pepe as well. Um, and we, we've kind of talked about, and I think you know, uh, me and you've discussed it in another pod, Pete, um, about because he he he's got quite a weak mentality. What it is is sometimes there are players who are going to reflect the other players around them. So they're not strong enough characters to buck the trend of the yeah. team. So basically, if the team's playing shit, they're going to play shit because they're weak. But when you inject the team with young players who run around loads and show that that's what's going to be encouraged and rewarded by Emil Smith-Rowe, Saka suddenly is our best player, you know, um, you've got characters like Martinelli in there who are going to hound people, and even Lacazette seems to be resurgent. Once you establish that that is what's getting rewarded, Pepe seems to be... You know, buying into and reflecting what's being rewarded in the team. And suddenly he look, looked to have more energy. He was hounding people, even a little bit stronger in some of the fifty. Won a couple of headers, guys? I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, very true.
3: Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go bold with my com- my comparisons So Bear With Me. The, uh, the The French press said of Monet and his gang of painters that they were making impressions of paintings. And sometimes I feel like Nicolas Pepe does an impression of a great footballer. He's like, the. did you ever play with the 5 aside? side And there's always a kid that was just fucking phenomenal, like outrageous, would walk it around, score 10 goals. But then they get out on the 11-a-side pitch and they'd be absolutely shit. And sometimes I feel like Nicolas Pepe is that guy. He's got the touches. He's got the moves. He plays those, um, you know, he rolls the shoulder and he's got those little shots and it never quite comes off. But Johnny, I I actually really think that 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 point that you made, that he has now seen what success in an Arteta system looks like because there are other players setting the example. And um, that some of the stats uh, guys are doing the rounds and saying that his defensive performance was phenomenal today. Like his work rate, of like blocking shots. I mean, he was fouled four times today. He created three chances. Um, he had a pretty successful pass completion rate in the final third. Um, but I, I think he made like I think he made quite a lot of ball recoveries as well. Like it, it might not be the heights that we want, but like William, it's like, well, if William is plays fifty percent better. Um, and he's and he's rusty and he's trying to work towards something, that's a good sign. If Nicolas Pepe is starting to look like a player, even, even, you know, we know that he doesn't give it 100% of the game, but I felt like 70% of the game, he was really effective today. And, uh, like, if uh, the the biggest weakness for Willian, what well, Willian and Pepe, is there were, like, everybody trusted Willian to start with in the second half. Like, imagining Martinelli was there. And then they kind of they started to give up as the game went on because they knew that he wasn't going to run. And it's like the game started for Pepe with a lack of trust, but then when he started making good runs, um, the game picked up for him. So it's quite a quite an interesting day out for for the wingers. But overall, everybody put in a shift, and I think that that's something that we haven't been able to say. Eleven players putting in a defensive shift is is, is definitely progress for Arsenal, right?
0: Hundred percent, absolutely. Um, and to that, just to that point of. Um, the, the headers as well. Um, against who who played, Southampton, they were launching a few because the press was pretty good. Um, Lennon was launching a few uh, goal kicks um, towards Pepe, um, and he was winning a few, get, like making the nuisance of a few. And one of the goals, the Saka goal, comes from him challenging from for for a header. So he he, he does get up there. Um, so for a for a kind of weak player or a soft player. Um, he does He does kind of get around a bit and get kicked a lot. So one of those ones, it's, a, it's an odd one. And, and to your point, Pete, as well, those kind of five-a-side players, you expect so much from them because they have all the touches and they have all the flair, it seems. So I think maybe, as well as fans, we push a lot on him because you're like, well, you're looking flashy and fancy, but, you know, it's like, yeah, is he the, um, the Rolls-Royce player or has he got the with the Fiat engine? Or, you know, what's the kind of... What's the kind of deal there? So Yeah, the um, price tag doesn't help, does it? The price <laughs> tag doesn't help, exactly. No. That's
4: if, what I'm getting at. if he was 25000000 million, we'd all be like, yeah, he's not bad.
2: <laughs> he's yeah. not a £30 million, million, million player, wow! Yeah, <laughs> we're going to make some money. Yeah. But I, I just, just, just on Pepe as well, I think, you know, one of the interesting things, which I'm sure we'll uh, touch on at some point, is, you know, Odegaard got on. And um, basically, when you look at a new player who's, essentially his creativity charts, at least as you know, as we look at them now, seem to be off the chart in Odegaard as real promise. What he's gonna need is forward runners, right? Now Willian, for instance, and I you know I harp on about him, but he hasn't got the pace to get away from anyone. Whereas Pepe actually does. Martinelli has the pace. You know, Smith rowe and Saka are also going to be winning. So I think what's happened for Pepe recently is what he was trying to do to be good was take the ball and try and run around everyone. And he was getting tackled mm. and bullied on a consistent basis. Whereas what I think he started to learn in the last kind of couple of games is you don't need to just go in, on maze-ups trying to do gigsies around everyone. Like, the fact oh. is just get on your bike and get in behind because now you've got quality players to actually be able to slide you in. And once you realise that, you can start playing in a different way. And that is the way I think... Pepe would have a chance at making an impact at Arsenal, being a much more on-the-shoulder player. Runs in behind. Yes, he can dribble, but trying to hurt people with penetrating runs um, would really, you know, provide something for our attacking lineup.
3: Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with that. I think, um, I think the guy who runs Lille said that it took a long time for Pepe to settle into Lille. He said something like, you know, a year, 18 months, because, you know, he's shy. So the hope is that, um, you know, he's trying to figure out how how best to play in the Premier League still. But you're starting to see flashes. And I actually would quite like to see him out on the left again when Saka comes back into contention, because I thought he was really effective um, in the Southampton game. But I do like that the, the big insight that I'm taking from this is, uh, Arsenal are trying to unlock Nicolas Pepe's inner Olivier Giroud and he's going to become some sort of target man moving forward. That was, uh, <laughs> that's an exciting insight. So uh, moving swiftly on to more of the good. Um, and uh, I think we've we've touched on this game after game. Um, Holdinho had mm-hmm. another phenomenal game for Arsenal. Um, and I, I want to talk about him, but I also want to talk about Arsenal's defence. We had the second best defence in the league 20 games into the season after having one of the worst runs where you know most of us were kind of in agreement that arteta probably would get sacked at one of the bigger clubs um so i want to talk about um i want to talk about defense today because uh, and particularly rob holding he uh, he he won 10 out of 10 clearances he dealt with united crossed 24 times into the box today and i i just think the holdinho Again, if he had a stronger hairline and an Italian surname, people might be talking about him in in a in a different way. Like, let's talk about Arsenal's defence. Like, this is the real deal now. Arsenal are a good, well structured defensive team. How how does that feel, uh, uh, Matt? Tell me.
4: I love Rob Holding at the moment. I really do, and I think uh, it, the confidence, the, the shift in the way he plays the game, even from the beginning of the season even from the FA Cup final last year, you know, where he was still definitely the weakest link in the back five Then it was. Whereas now, he's become the leader. Uh, He looks so assured, so
0: confident. Um, I think it's been so great for him. Do you, you, does it surprise you at all? Because when he got injured at Old Trafford a couple of years back, the run into that game, he was absolutely outstanding. It's kind of like, for me, he's like picked back up where he left off yeah, he, he, he.
4: I think just we're as football fans, we're also fickle, uh, and we're always in a rush, and so we just assume that like you can get back to form in at least in a, in a, in, a, in ten games, you know, yeah. rather than that's like we it's like it. And I and I, honestly, I think it used to be less because it was so much more, less intense. You know, you could be out injured for a while and come back, and in three or four games, you could be up to full speed. But now I think with someone, especially with these cruciates and, and and more serious injuries, sometimes it's like a year to get back, a year of playing. Um, and I think it's just taken him a while. Um, but I never felt that he was that comfortable on the ball. Um, mm-hmm. I thought he was just an out and out like uh, sort of old fashioned centre half. But today I was like looking at him, and it's like he was silky. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got. Good touch, good passing range, um, super relaxed, super confident. Um, so um, he's he's the first centre half on the team sheet now, which and good, good for him. Um,
0: yeah, I think that's it, a really good point as well. Actually, it's he's crazy the how half on the, on the on the sheet. Yeah, he's well, I mean, we've got both Louise and Gabriel at the moment, hasn't
4: he? Yeah, and Gabrielle clearly still struggling from the COVID impacts. David Louise. He just annoys me. Like I'm, yeah. he, he was spent the half, the second half just talking to Cavani. Like, is it their mates? I'm just like, what are you even doing? He did um, quite well today, to be fair. Um, he did, he did, he did, he did, he did. He, he's 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 not he's he's a mercenary, but he's not a bad player. Yeah, st- yeah. He's
3: got start, I don't know how he keeps on. Like all of a sudden, he stepped up to a free kick, and you're like, where did where did you come from? <laughs> and well. Yeah. Uh, his little Cent- mazy run in the first half, a uh, second half was quite interesting as well.
2: Yeah, I, I did like that. But I mean, yeah. Cedric had a free kick as well, which was annoying. Don't do yeah. that anymore, please. No. But um, yeah. just 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 on Rob Holding, um, I think it's interesting what you say, Matt. Like I, I could pretty much agree with all of it. I would, I would. I um, slightly, I don't, I'm not quite as convinced with him on the ball as you you're saying you are. Because, but what, what what for me, the situation with when you look at it philosophically with Holding. What we've done for a while now, particularly since Emery came in and tried to introduce these short passing to invite the opposition to press us, we basically said that we need our defenders to be real ball players. And I think initially, Rob Holding was one of the biggest people that suffered under that because he wasn't as comfortable. If you remember, we were trying to blood Callum Chambers at that point because he is more comfortable on the ball than Rob Holding. But for me, my issue was that we're trying to get all these players on the ball. But who's actually a defender? Who actually wants to win a header? Who wants to make a big challenge? And we were flooding our defence with players who were failed midfielders, basically, rather than, you know, good defenders. Now, what we've done with Rob Holding is I think we've at times sacrificed um, someone who is more gifted on the ball um like david louise is you know the best defender we have on the ball in terms of his distribution um but so, but the fact is is holding is what's making our defense tick right now because he's the one who's there every game and saying we are not conceding and you can see it means stuff to him just balls getting whipped into the box everything's getting headed away it's 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 really nice to see a proper defender who likes defending back at the heart of the arsenal defense
3: yeah, yeah, Rob, Rob Holding today. Uh, pass completion rate, um, 86%, which is not bad against the pressing side. Um, and to your point there, Johnny, uh, seven seven headed clearances out of seven attempts. Not bad against Cavani, who is uh, who is not weak when it comes to um, defensive headers. Sorry, Don, were you about to say something like that? Oh, yeah, no. Good point, a stat you, uh, that I just calculated.
0: Yeah, I love that. <laughs> um that man Pete. no um it's great that you mentioned that because i was i was uh, going to ask if anyone knew what the stats on his path completion were um but i think it's a underrated part of his game um, i think that i remember back when we played leeds in the fa cup um and obviously they were a great pressing side um and you could hear on the pitch side cameras they were saying give it, wait until he gets it he's giving it away press everyone else no don't press him he's giving it away he's giving it away right, and now we press and now we work and now we go. Um, and that, I, that probably horrified him because I think he had 11 Yorkshire men screaming at him every time <laughs> he touched the ball. So um, I think he's improved and, uh, like, you know, long may it continue because, again, to Johnny's point, he's like the mainstay now. He's in there. Um, he's heading things away uh, and he's quite calm and collected as well. You know, he'll, he'll get the ball, he'll turn on it. He'll, you know, he'll do all those bits and silky bits. So, you know. Yeah, indeed. Yeah,
4: and you, and you look at the whole set of players now and, you know, we've got Mari, we've got Gabriel, we've got Holding, you know, Louise will be off in the summer. So it would have been nice to bring Saliba back. I don't think he's coming back and have those, those four to compete for the two spots and then
0: mm.
4: Tierney and Cedric and Bellerin, you know, it's it's a pretty decent defensive unit now. Uh, and... Um, and and the additions, so the ones that Arteta brought in, you know, Gabriel and Mari. I mean, you know, twenty what twenty five and eleven million, twenty five and ten million or whatever. So not a huge, not we haven't broken the bank defensively to to, to make a massive improvement. So Arteta deserves a lot of credit there.
2: Definitely, and, and, and sorry, but just a quick one on that. Um, I do, you know, it used to be you look at our defensive unit and think we need a complete revolution here, like yeah. tear it up, throw it away. Yeah. Every single one of them needs the door. Mm-hmm. Whereas now yeah. you're like, what are we, one defender away? You know, it's it's right, man. And I would definitely agree with you, Dom, holding to distribution and time and the ball has got much better in recent weeks. So it's good to see.
3: And I, I, I just wanted to, I'm going to, I'm going to throw this hand grenade into, not hand grenade into a, cra- a crowd, Is probably not, politically correct in America at the moment <laughs> after the shit that went down. So uh, I'm just going to say something controversial. Granit Xhaka was good defensively today. And um, I know that he had that one moment where he was isolated with Rashford in the first half and he, you know, he did that big foot plant where you knew he wasn't going to be able to recover if you missed the ball. But overall, like Granit Xhaka has been pretty good defensively and he's looked better with Thomas Passe next to him um, he made nine ball recoveries today, mm-hmm. which tells you that his positional sense is really good. And some of those little interceptions that he made, were uh, like they're very valuable. Um, do you, do you think it's um, do you think it's fair to say that actually the best defense, the best partner for Thomas Partey is Granit Xhaka, and actually he's kind of come back to being good again? I mean, this is the fickleness of Arsenal fans: we hate him and we love him, right?
4: Who who else is there? We don't have any other partners for him, do we? BIOS. Oh God, that guy is terrible.
2: Oh. I, I, so, so <laughs> <what> don't send <laughs> a shock, ladies. How
0: could
2: you say such a thing? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, from my perspective, um, I kind of think that, yeah, Xhaka at the moment is in the team on form rather than weird nepotism from Arteta or whatever other manager there was before. And what, you know, what hidden files Xhaka has on these guys in the <laughs> team <and TV> <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, at the moment, yeah, he is playing well. And for instance, as, as I mentioned earlier, I thought it was Partey's poorest game for Arsenal so far and I thought Xhaka was better than him so you know but this is the thing and I've mentioned it before on here sometimes it's about partnerships and in the same way as what I just said about Pepe as well being a character who reflects those around him Xhaka is another yes. one of those but he does it in in, in a disguised way because Because he's so um, in your face and wants to show himself being a big man, you don't actually realise that he's actually quite weak of character in terms of being able to pick our team up by the scruff of the neck. Once he's with party, he relaxes and goes, actually, I don't even have to do this all on my own because I'm not even the best player in our midfield anymore and I know it. So suddenly I'm just going to play a more simple game and just get stuck in. And we've seen a benefit benefit, um, in terms of his output.
3: It's something that something that has changed um, since parties come into the team is definitely players now give the ball to him and granite. Well, you know he's he was normally the, you know the most progressive passer in the team. He will he will he he'd break his neck to look around and find Thomas Partey and give him the ball, mm. which is uh, which is quite an interesting revolution. But um, as I, I did prepare for this podcast, um, I will tell you Thomas Partey's pass completion rate today was seventy three percent. Granite jacker ninety seven percent wow I mean that, that that is that's world class against uh, you know a very good Man United team, so um, you know you, I think it's like uh, like everything if you want to be entrenched by a view about a player, you know good for you, but I'm not a fan of Granite jacker on any level, but he, he has been good, and everything that I get and I hear from people in and around the club. Is that he's one of the good guys behind in the dressing room, trying to pick people up? So you know, it's always. I think he needs to move on in the summer, and I think we need to have a rethink. But it's not. He's not the biggest problem that we've got at Arsenal right now.
4: No, There's no. no it's the, the biggest problem is that he's the only viable partner in midfield because El is terrible. Uh, Savioz, don't you say it, Matt. I think he's terrible. I mean, he's just like, would anyone be disappointed if he went back to Real Madrid? Would, would, you, would you shed a tear? No, I
2: No. Mean, he's Noah. not worth the asking price, is he? He's got, he's not, he's got it all, though,
3: hasn't he? Like, he's, exactly. he's fairly yeah. athletic, he's a good passer of the ball, he's got a great engine. But it never seems to, it, you know, he's he has, always like stuck in weird positions. He's either too deep or he's, he's not able to influence the game in the final third. Not that all action midfielder that we kind of hoped he'd be, that we, that we saw in the Newcastle game where we all fell in love with him straight away. And,
4: and another mentality issue, if you ask me, because there's no way he doesn't have it in him, you know, because he has these incredible performances every 12 games. It's just the other 11 that's the problem. Um, and, and and we just desperately we desperately need some midfield options to go with party and, and Xhaka's fine and, and decent. But um, there were moments in the second half where you've got the break on, you've got in a promising position, but it's, it's Xhaka on the ball and William out left. And the ball just kept on. We, we just couldn't move it fast enough. And you see the difference when it's Smith Rowe, Saka, uh, they just move it so much faster, party. They just move it like at pace and take advantage of those promising situations. Um, and especially for us, where we are a counter-attacking team, really, uh, we just need to manage those transitions better. And uh, yeah, that's Shaka's just just slow, but he's better than all the other options. I mean, fair play. I
2: did. Mom, um, sorry. sorry, I was just going to say the only, the only other option you can look at. If you're not look, you know countenancing the idea of playing Tobias over a prolonged period, then you you're talking about maybe Party who has the ability to play elite level defensive midfielder um, uh, play in a game, and and then have maybe Smith Rowe involved more centrally. And if we are going to talk about an Odegaard kind of combo, can we have it where it's those two playing just advance the party and then, you know, have a really kind of creative setup and putting, you know, a lot of, uh, asking a lot of Thomas Party, but I think he can deliver. He's a guy I don't mind, barring today, everyone's going to have a bad game, but I don't mind asking a player of Party's ability to do a lot because he is good enough to do it. It's asking players like has week in, week out to do a lot, which has got us into trouble in the past.
4: Do we think that Smith Rowe and this Odegaard can play together? Because I'd be really disappointed if Smith Rowe started getting less minutes. Like, I, like I'm like for the benefit of another club. I yeah, if
0: Odegaard, What do I, we think? I think I think they can play together. I think uh, kind of like Johnny just said, it's kind of what uh, City had in the last few years of Silva and De Bruyne, where yeah. Silva and De Bruyne played like eight slash ten advance, eight wondering, eight Meslier, whatever you want to call it. And then they just inverted one or both of their fullbacks um, to kind of go in with Fernandinho, who uh, played six. Um, so something like that would be would be really good. Um, yeah. And then you, I know you know people probably look at that and say, "Well, Smith Rowe and uh, Erdogan is um, you know a bit lightweight." But I think they put themselves around a bit. You know, everyone that kind of spoke about Erdogan before we came in this week kind of saying. He, he likes to put a shift in and he'll get back and he'll get himself around and that's kind of all you want really isn't it like kind of how Smith Rowe kind of will come in off someone's shoulder and nick a ball on the edge of the box and play a one-two and then we're out and we're you know we're running in on their defense um that's kind of the that seems like our pattern of play at the minute I kind of think that that, that could work but absolutely agree with you Matt you, you don't want Unless Erdegaard's going to sign already, you don't really want him to kind of lap up all the minutes and then piss off back to Madrid and then yeah. become the new Messi or whatever everyone says he is. You know,
4: I, I love I love Smith Rose so much. It's like every, every time I see him, I feel like he reminds me of a different Arsenal player that I love. Like today, I I just saw Jack Wilshire. just because he just makes those little bursts and he's got that low center of gravity, even though he's he's six foot. I,
3: I do uh, wonder whether because they're both blonde, we worry that they're the exact same player. It's like, like <laughs> S- Smith S- Smith Rowe. I think is like, he, like he's much more all action than the typical number ten that you have in your head. And Odegaard, is he can play all across the front line. Like he had a lot of success playing out on the right. Um, I believe when he was um, when he played for Hirenveen. Um, he can play through the center. So I wonder with Saka out, you know, like c- could you play Odegaard on, on the right? Or could you switch mm. him in on the left? So I'm, I'm hoping that um, that we brought him because he could plug the gaps when players get fatigued. And I, I also think that I, I'm hoping that that Mikel Arteta is going to start to understand the like the PR angle, and that it would be terrible. It would be a terrible look for him to um, to make Smith Rowe's career suffer for the good of a lone player. I mean, mm. like, I, I think that if, if anybody is almost like auxiliary and being pl- plodded into places, it's got to be the guy that's got everything to pr- prove it. Because you're right; like making other players, making other teams' players more valuable, should not be the
2: business
4: of Arsenal, right? I won't, no. I won't have Smith Rowe suffer. I won't have <laughs> no. him suffer. Or not the tolerate thing- it.
2: <laughs> the yeah. thing is, the thing is, guys. Like you know, I think we're all probably on the same page in that, but. What um, you know will help us all sleep at night is it's going to be very hard to drop Smith Rowe playing like he is. Like he's he's as integral to how the way we play from an attacking lineup as there is anyone in that setup. He takes the ball in tight spaces. Some of the balls he's playing through. You know, I can't help but think when we talk about Pepe playing better, Smith Rowe has done loads of loads of these nice little quick link-up passing with Pepe, which frees him into space in ways that. No one else takes it in such tight quarters apart from Saka. But Saka probably is our, has been our best player this year anyway and has been for a long time. But um, Smith-Rowe and Saka, I, I, I think they're both undroppable in big games right now. I think they just have to play. Saka yeah. Is... And,
0: uh, uh, oh, sorry, mate. I was going to say, I was chatting to my friend um, Rach, actually. And what, what we were saying we really love about him is he comes on that half turn and he would just punch it around the corner yeah. really, really yeah. quickly and then spin off the other side. And it's like, now we're in and we're playing. And I guess that's how some of uh, the, the, assists, the assists have come in the last couple of games. Um, so, yeah, special player.
3: And, and he, he also sniffs out. He sniffs out the hot. He sniffs out danger like he'll be on the right and he'll be stuck to the right and then all of a sudden he's on the left like he um he doesn't stick i mean i, I guess that's part of the plan but I, I i do like the he's got the football intelligence to to move around the pitch and and it, it, he's he's not just creating partnerships with whoever's on the side that he's playing on he's trying to create partnerships with everybody which is exciting do you
4: Definitely. think he'll go he'll, do you think he'll go to with england in the summer
3: I get, I get a bit theo Walker
2: about this <laughs> <laughs> you know is it too much too soon Gareth's having a look at him for sure. I, yeah, I think so. Yeah. But Don Don made a good point there as well in terms of how he accepts uh, accepts the ball. Like on the turn, if you receive the ball but don't actually have to take a touch and stop, it's you know it's just logical that our attack mm. is moving at a higher tempo. You don't. He literally doesn't take the touch to set himself. It's instant. It's one touch, and he's already moving with the ball. And that is what adds that last bit of energy and. Tempo into our attacking play, and that's why we've started scaring teams again. Because when you you know I bang on about him all the time, but when you play it into Willie Ann, take a touch. Who's around? Okay, what have I got for dinner tonight? All right, you know where's my, is that my mate over there? Now I'll pass it. It's not good enough. It's yeah. slow and it's lumbering. Uh, and in terms of um, you know, I, I don't know whether we, he will go to England or not at the World Cup or not, but ultimately. I feel like you know when you say he pops up in different areas of the pitch, it's because now he something has tweaked for him, and I think we talked about it last time where he genuinely looks at it now and he's not like, oh, I'm a young player trying to make my way. He's like, I'm one of the best players on the pitch here. It's no question about it. I'm one of yeah. the best players at Arsenal. I'm one of the best yeah. players on the pitch. If you want to come at me, Pogba, I'm going to run you. If you know, what I mean, he's, he's not, he's not, he's not a little schoolboy playing FIFA anymore. He's he's himself. (laughs) He's playing himself on FIFA. Like, yeah, I'm jacking up my stats. Because he is genuinely, he backs himself. And that is what is so exciting for us right now. It's also, uh, and going back to
3: one of of your earlier points, Johnny, um, Saka has set the tone for a generation of kids at Arsenal, right? He's come Mm. in. He's been fantastic. He's added goals and assists to his game. And I wonder whether it's almost infectious the the success of of Saka shows you that if you apply yourself and you listen to, you know, what the coach is doing, you will get your chance and then you take your chance because um, I know Martinelli was a bit, he wasn't unbelievable today, but it's nice to see young players coming into the side now and believing in themselves. Whereas kind of over the last five years, people slip in, they slip out, they don't fully concentrate. You don't feel that they're fully applied to the job. But Saka really is the benchmark for me for like, Dedication to the craft, intelligent football, and like just like hard work, and you know, just it. I I I, I thought that it was great today that Saka wasn't in the side, and Smith Rowe still had a good game. Yeah, because Mm. that also shows you know I can adapt, I can play different games for different players.
0: And and I would just to add to that as well, mate. I think the biggest compliment I can give Saka at the minute is we missed him today. At, uh you know and probably the biggest game of the season at, at old trafford and uh, at, at home um and uh we missed him he would have he would have definitely been able to make a difference um so that's it that's a huge compliment as far as i'm concerned
3: yeah I totally agree i totally agree so we're gonna we're gonna move on to section for to the next section I should have done the bad first because I feel I feel great. There's a big hit of <laughs> dopamine going on right now. I'm like oh, I feel so positive about Arsenal. Now we're going to go into the bad section. This is uh, about a bad run of show. But I did. Um, so I'm going to start with so I'm going to start with something controversial because um, people want to be interested by the podcast. So I'm going to throw out a, a curveball here. Did today show why we need to invest in a number nine this summer? Was was today's game for Lacazette? Did it kind of like showcase all of his weaknesses without
2: him having a particularly bad game? Who wants to take that one? I mean, from my perspective, I I think, you know, Lacquer is limited in terms of uh, a player at elite level. But the the issue is is he is by far the best option we have right now. And I don't think there was any disgrace in his game today. He hit the bar with a nice free kick, free kick. You know, if you look at the kind of performances Aubameyang's been turning in in recent times, you know it's not even a comparison with with regards to what Lacazette's the level he's been performing at. But um, you know, of course, we need to kind of invest in in the forward areas because I don't know how. When basically, the only players that I'm backing going forward in our uh, 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 offensive lineup are Saka and Smith Rowe right now. They need to be in there. I don't know if Aubameyang's going to be here in a couple of years because of where he he looks lost at the moment he probably will I hope he gets back to form but one thing's for sure in the way that we're trying to play at least Lacazette is somewhat integral to it and I thought he played quite well again in terms of you know trying to hold up but you know Man United are no mugs and at the end of the day they're they're decent defensively and if you look at Cavani at the other end and everyone's raving that he started to get it going did he really do anything is that what we need to go into the transfer market to look at Because I don't think he was, you know, particularly uh, better in any way than Lacazette was.
0: Yeah, just on that point there with um, Oba, I I completely agree. I was in the, you know, had a shower thought the other day, and I was like, at the back end of next season, this time next season, Oba shouldn't really be week in week out starting for this for this football team, and that's not to say, you know, he's gone down the pan or anything like that, but, like, we should be move, moving on a little bit, you know? Um, and then he, especially when he plays like, you know, head of the attack, we have to play a completely different game. Um, that link-up play, that coming deep, he doesn't really want to do any of that. He wants to be on the shoulder over the top. I think we do need a new striker. I think Laka, like you said, is, is the way we want to play. He's the only one that's going to play like that. Eddie's had a few chances and he's he's been all right he doesn't really look good enough he looks like he could probably go to West Brom and do something or something like that which is no slight on West Brom or no slight on him but you know I think he's an Arsenal forward Everyone's super excited about Balogun but again I mean I'd like to see him play I'd like to see the minutes Eddie gets shared with him at least Um, but you know you look at the the, um, look at what Eddie was doing at that level and he's come up and hasn't quite cut the mustard. Will Bulligan come up and cut the mustard? He's doing similar things as well at that level. So you've got to look at that. Um, And then I guess just one more word on on Lacquer is he's got like a a, a really hard job, right? He has to come in. He has to get lumps kicked out of him. He has to try and hold up the ball, flick it around the corner, etc. So, um, yeah, I would agree. He didn't have a terrible game, but it is games like this where you think if we had a I know this is ridiculous, a drogba or someone of that stature, size, power, you know, you looking like a Pacton Um, someone of that ilk. Uh, we develop them. That's the kind of play you probably want to start seeing um, in and around your your team. Um, but uh, yeah, no, no, not a bad game by uh, any stretch of the imagination.
4: I think he's almost done the impossible, Lacazette, where... I don't think we've really got any other option other than to give him another year's contract. <laughs> uh, like, like, I know it's crazy because none of us think that we should be extending his contract, but you're looking at it and you're like, it's so risky to let him go because we've got no strikers. Because, mm. um, you know, it's so hard for strikers. Every Strikers just take longer to bed in. You know, you, they need a year at the club. Before they're ready to be like at least a main striker, um, and we haven't got anyone in the ranks who looks like you know. I would understand it more if Martinelli was being groomed as a centre forward, and we were playing him in that position because I think he could play there t- personally. From what I've seen, I think he could easily put, be a modern like a Ronaldo up like st- type of type of striker. Um, but I think we're going to have to give him a. Con- a, a to see if he wants to accept a year and we, and he probably won't and we might have to give him two years, um, which is, which is crazy. But unless, unless we've got our eyes on bringing in like a top quality striker from Europe, but it doesn't feel like we've got the money to do that.
2: I I definitely think, you know, you're right there, man. Not only that, but let's be honest. Like if, if we just blue sky this, what, what striker is coming in to Arsenal that is going to improve us? Because, what I think we're kind of scratching around is what when when I was starting to really get upset with Arteta and disillusioned, it's, you know, for a while we've known that um, defensively we're looking much better. And I never argued against that we were. But from an attacking point of view, we were just all over the gaff. No one knew what we were trying to do. It feels like now, with our new young player, with, with Smithrow and Saka, now Arteta is showing us what he wants to do with these players. This is why I'm starting to, you know, fall on my um, views on him, because at the end of the day, I can actually see the plan now. Now, when you look at the way that we want to play, if that's the way we want to play moving forward, and I hope it is, because I like this kind of football, then the only striker that can really do that job is Lacazette that we currently have. But if you look around, like the league at least, you know, you could look around Europe of course, if we've got money to bring Haaland in, yeah, go for it, mate. Come on in. Yeah. Not gonna happen, not happening. So you look around the league. Who is because what is key about this is because I think the way that we're starting to move in terms of an attacking lineup is quite similar to how Liverpool developed. And that was they went from having Suarez and Sturridge two brutal strikers who were scoring all the time. And then they got rid of them. And suddenly it's like, yeah, well, how are you going to score now? Because all you've got is midfielders like Mane and Salah. And they went, just chill. we got this. <laughs> and Firmino, who never seemed to hit the heights, suddenly went from playing, you know, centre forward and not being a standout player to being the link up point for those two midfield they're not even midfielders. They're attacking forwards. They're wing forwards for netball kind of positions. Do you know what I mean? Like <laughs> and and that is what I think we will have in the shape of potentially a Martinelli at the end of the day. I'm not saying it will go this way, but if Pepe wants to kick on, and that I believe is the position Obamiang will have to start fighting for, one of those wing attack forwards. And in that in that situation, is Lacazette going to be Alfamino? Because I don't think he's doing that bad a job if that is what he's being asked to do.
3: We get into a dangerous position when these 29-year-olds start showing a bit of leg and you're like, Whoa. <laughs> go on then, how about four years, 250 <laughs> grand a week, you know, the contract's there, you know Eddie's got that in his back pocket, you can't wait to get it signed.
0: You know, I'm, um, I'm with I'm with you, Pete. No, not on it.
3: No, no contract. You know, there was. Um, I, I haven't seen a lot of him, but the um, the, the I can't pronounce his surname, Dan Lundulu of Southampton. He played against us in the cup. He looks like he's about six foot three, and mm. he 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 moves around the, I mean, he's got a huge frame, but he's very light on his feet, almost like um Or was. And you're just like. Does it, is that the sort of striker that we would have in that position moving forward? Or is it a Flo balogan? Are we going to be looking for the explosive Aguero types moving forward? So I, I think it's going to be an interesting one to watch. But I, I, I just hope that we don't get ourselves into another situation where we believe the uptick in form from a player that's sort of been a little bit... Actually, is it probably not fair to say that Lacazette's been hit or miss like he's, he, he always feels like he's given his best,
0: right? Yeah. And I, and I think that's the thing about like it's hard <laughs> to, even when he was going through his really kind of sticky patch when the whole team was really, um, you know, I was- Yeah, you feel, but you feel
4: bad for him. You don't hate him.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. You just think, you know, you're, you're, you're doing enough. You're doing enough to kind of, for me, not to want you out of the team and, you know, hung, drawn and quartered. Um, but to your point, Pete, yeah, you know, I'm a, I'm big on the old sports directorship and the whole innovation and what's happening next. I think we need to know or have an idea of how we want the team to play and how that front line needs to work within that team. And um, I don't think uh, Lacazette, that idea should be even built around Lacazette's presence whatsoever. Not to say <laughs> a bad player, but...
4: S- Smith Rowe has saved us 50 million uh, I mean he saved us 50 million in the transfer market hasn't he so maybe there's uh, money to be redirected up to the the strikers
3: yeah definitely. i definitely think it's in an important position this summer so um another position that might be important this summer that i wanted to talk about i think i am only going to do one last bad thing really because i don't want to I, I don't want to kill our buzz but um free kicks what the what the hell is going on? It's like a it's like a free for all. It's like watching twelve year olds. Like surely the 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 you know we've got this Georgeson guy who's a, a specialist like Dom. You you know you you're studying in this area. What are Arsenal thinking with these free kicks? Is it part of the plan? Is it whoever's feeling good? Is it uh, is it a roll of the dice? Like how how what's going on there,
0: mate? I think they're playing rock paper scissors and just deciding on the toss of a coin or something. Um, you know, David Louise should never be anywhere near a free kick. Um, although today's one would I mean, hit the wall, but you know, <laughs> it's not not terrible. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know what I what I, I know is this is the bad section, but what I do like is um, even though it hasn't really come off yet, some of the um the routines um, and it, I think you know this the, the georgian guys taking it from handball and basketball and all that kind of stuff but the way they kind of set up and rotate and swing off the back and they will start on, on top of the goalkeeper and then they'll like swing out um so the so the way we attack them is good but as far as the uh three three kick takers i mean yeah it's like whoever fancied it. If you've bought a lottery ticket, you can get involved by lots of things on that one.
2: Well, um, I, well I, I, think, I think, you know, and this is the bad section, um, with regards to free kicks, what I found disappointing today was, um, you know, as much as we said earlier that, uh, like, Emil Smith-Rowe has kind of stood up to the mark and said, I'm actually one of our best players. What I really liked in recent weeks are the fact that over free kicks and stuff, him and Saka... I've just literally told everyone, walk away, walk away. We got this. You ain't you ain't getting anywhere near what's Cedric doing here? Fuck off. I'm <laughs> I'm taking it. You know what I mean? And and the fact is is Saka, if Saka was playing today, he would have taken all the free kicks. And that's that's a positive. That's who should be on him. But if he's not there, I'd like Emil Smith Rowe to be walking over to people, telling them to do one. And you know that I, I think when Saka's not there, and I also think this speaks to what a leader you know, a silent leader Saka has become in in terms of his influence on the team, because people look to him now for inspiration and Smith Rowe gets confidence from that as well, I think. And I would have liked to you know, Willie Ann taking corners, can't clear the first man. Not good enough. Get off the pitch. Disgraceful. So um yeah,
4: I yeah. think when you see it when you see a top team, like a really top team, it's always the same guy from them. On every free kick around the box, you know, when it was Ronaldo, when it was Zola, when it was Henri, you know, you've got your guy, and every time you get one, you want the opposition to be shitting themselves because Mm -hmm. you know that guy can actually put them in. And this whole like, anyone can have a go, let's all try, we've all hit a good one in our whole career. No, it should be the same person because you're increasing your surface area for luck by having the same guy take them because if the same guy hits four. You know he's 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 got he's got the measure of you know that's what with Henri it's like sometimes he'd get three free kicks in a game and score the third you know his yeah. second one would and be it, closer like there, there's yeah. something and,
0: about and to, and to that point as well you had Lacazette's rattled the bar with one Le- leave him alone let him take the next one then yeah. like he's obviously yeah. got his eye in like. Yeah, he he probably
3: should be. You know, I I like the idea of um, Saka and Lacazette. If if I'm honest, David David Luiz should never be near a free kick. Um, Like, I I don't know why we keep on letting him do that. And the Cedric thing was super odd. um, Mm. Late in the day,
2: I mean, Uh, David. Look, David Luiz for me has a place on a free kick if we're 30 yards out and most people can't get the power. He has that knuckleball style shot that could you know, bother a keeper more so than some of the weaker footed players. But if you think about it, like Saka being off today, that's, you know, maybe we're not framing it right. Um, If you look at Man United, who's taking their free kicks? Fernandes. Who's taking their corners? Fernandes. Who's doing all this? Saka is our Fernandes. That's the reality of it. He's our best player. He's our most creative player. He's our best technically. So, like if Fernandes was out, who's taking Man United? What Pogba? Maybe you know I wouldn't be surprised if Freds rolls out and goes there. I'll have a bang today. So you know we've got to do it through the prism that our best player realistically was out. But I would like to see Smith Rowe plug that void when Saka's not around. And um, just on the uh,
0: kind of it's not really a set piece, kind of is from kickoffs. This stupid fucking like line out kick drive thing that we do but we pass it back into midfield everyone's kind of um kind of shuffled over to the left or the right and we just smash it over i i, I don't know what's going on with that have you guys seen that have you guys
3: yeah i don't know why we quite a lot of teams try and get rid of possession almost instantly it's like uh it's like watching nfl uh yeah
0: We'll the we put them in their own half, and then we'll go from there, or whatever. But it doesn't manifest in any other side of the game. I I tweeted out the other day, like we were pressing Southampton really well, or we was we was guiding them into different areas. Um, and of course, we'd run the ball back because they kept trying to play. But the answer to that is, if you can't find a pass, or you're not confident in the pass, you either go backwards, or you you know you put it deep into your opponent's half, kind of like a rugby. Uh, tactic yeah i um, think it's
4: quite interesting no- idea though the what the idea of like, just trying to get a throw in an opponent throw in as deep in their own half as possible and putting them under pressure immediately i don't know i think that's quite innovative in a way so really? uh, not that I've, i think shit so we we
0: <laughs> he- headed
3: we're heading to the into the last section because i've held you guys for long enough um, it's the needs to be said section. Um, I wanted to um, throw, throw it out to you if you have something different, but Martin Odegaard, um, I'm pretty excited about his signing. I felt that uh, there was, a, there was a, a big question marks over what Edu was going to do this January transfer window. Overall, getting rid of a lot of the misfits, maybe sending Mustafi off to Liverpool and signing uh, Martin Odegaard and a backup keeper said to me that we're, we're aging down and that we're recognising big mistakes quickly and making amends. Um, I want to throw it out to you guys. You can say anything in this section. It's it's your soapbox.
2: Oh, nice. uh, I mean, you know, the Odegaard signing cannot really be seen as anything other than a positive for my money. There's always the fear that we can go down a Denis Suarez route, just an absolute disaster of a footballer that guy was. Um But ultimately, like you say, in terms of the profile, Pete, that that's exactly the kind of player that we want to be investing resources in uh, with a whilst we haven't got a guaranteed purchase arrangement. I think there's some goodwill there that, you know, if if it works for everyone, we could sign him if he does well. So, you know, and if he does, he'd be broke as well, aren't they? Yeah. 980 million in debt. What a shame. Yeah, yeah, we got about <laughs> we got about ten million for him for Odegaard, <laughs> right, Yeah, let us help you pay off your loans there. Yeah,
3: <laughs> two uh, years left on his deal this summer, I think. Two years left long? on his deal. Two years. Mm. So he's he's in that zone where he even needs where he will they will need to sell him or the you know the price the price starts to drop. So w-
2: what we need to do is we need to try to repackage um, Scrotum Mustafi in terms of um, what kind of player he is and maybe say, look, we've got this new kid from Germany. He's actually a World Cup winner. He's a playmaker. His name's Mustafi. Real Madrid, why don't you take him in a player exchange deal and we can bundle out some of our bad garbage uh, when we're trying to recruit new players? I don't did know you, if did you see,
3: Did you see the Liverpool <laughs> fans try Like, a, a lot of bullshit is said in the world of football where, you know, like, these these Twitter accounts, they're like, oh yeah, I've, I've I've watched this player seventeen times this season. You're like, no, you fucking haven't. And you 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 could see that come to life with Liverpool fans saying, I actually think this is a great signing. You know, he's a real leader. He's uh, he'll give us more uh, attacking options in the box. You're like, you bullshitters. Like honestly. <laughs> But yeah. Mustafi, Mustafi makes sense on paper, right? World Cup winner, maybe in a in a, in a more disciplined system. He won't because he was pretty good um, January through through May. I can't deny it, right? He was he's not the worst player. Just we uh, I, need to move on from him.
0: Yeah, I think um, in in that regard, you know, Liverpool have got their ducks in a row. So if he does go over there, it will be like pay as you pay, get paid as you play. Or, you know, one year, one plus one or something. They'll have their ducks in a row. They're not going to do an Arsenal and, like, lump him on a five-year (laughs) lucrative offer and give him the keys to the castle, you know? Yeah. Um, And that being said, I guess my thing that must be said is um, I've come on here a few times and I've slagged um, Eddie a little bit because I think he's a bit useless. But that being said, hold my hands up. He's actually probably um, getting through quite a bit of work at the minute. Um, quite ruthlessly hacking away at players, finding moves, getting things done. Um, Odegaard looks great, a bit of business. So, yeah, I'd say you know, we're looking good this January. If we can find um, a loan deal or two for like the Willits and the Nelsons of the team, um, I think that's that's pretty good jan um and it's like you say lowering the age profile you can start to see what he's trying to do um on the pitch results are looking good and that's obviously um helping Edu's role a little bit as well um so 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 yeah i think we're looking good business-wise as well which is which is um, not always you could have said about us
3: big thumbs up uh, for Edu from dom matt what have you got to say
0: yeah i think i agree with most of that i think um
4: Basically, we seem to be doing a lot of the right things, a lot of the things that we have been saying for a while on the pod. Um, there's just a couple that are just sticking out as being as, as things that need to be resolved. Uh, there's Maitland-Niles. Which the whole situation is just weird. It's like we had the chance in the summer to sell him at peak value. He'd put in a man-of-the-match performance in the cup final, and he'd just got an England cap. And we should have taken that moment if Arteta didn't fancy him to sell him because now he's gone back to, you know, they're talking about a loan deal to West Brom. Uh, His value is plummeting. He's not playing any games. He's out of form. I mean, he's been, he's been, he's been mismanaged. Um, and then we've got the striker situation, which is on the, which is on the verge of being mismanaged in that, um, Eddie, has not been given the opportunities or taken them to become a, top, a lead striker. We've got Balogun out of contract basically, and we've got uh, and, and so there's major concerns in that in the striker role. So those are the sort of the two problems. And then the other one was just was a massive bit of damage to Arteta's reputation was the Willian deal. There's nothing we can do about that. But you know, apart from there's, so it's Willian, Maitland Niles, and then then the Balogun issue. When you take those off, you know we're in we're in pretty good place because we we're we're straightening out the squad. So hopefully we can come up with you know none of those are insurmountable. They're all yeah. pretty well. Well, the William's pretty insurmountable, but the other two, if we can solve the other two, William won't seem so bad. Johnny,
3: gonna hand the mic to you to to, to see us out with with your. It has to be said.
2: Um, Do you know what? I'm just going to jump off the back of some of the things that Dom and Matt said there. First of all, I thought Dom made a great point. You know, it's easy to sit here and, you know, um, praise Arteta now that we've turned it around. At the end of the day, two months ago, we were sitting there going, someone's going to have to go. We're going to need a head in the basket. It's Edu or Arteta, you know. And if Arteta has been capable of, you know, gaining vindication and Edu has as well. And mm. the reality is, as you look at the signings Edu's made, most of them have been good. It's simple as that. And now, if you can genuinely look at it, a, a month ago, what was our biggest issue still ongoing? It was the Urzel drama. It was just constant. That's been rectified. Whatever way you think it is, it, it's, it's over now anyway. Um, Willian is a disaster, but is a millstone around both Edu and Arteta's necks because they both made that decision and it's an absolute car crash, but is what it is. Now, when you look at the business that we could be doing, you know, you took, Matt mentioned about Ainsley maitland Knowles. I don't think his value is plummeting, actually. I think that, you know, I heard when I was reading about it, there could be as much as four clubs in for him, including the likes of West Ham and stuff. I think maitland Knowles has proved himself as a Premier League player. I think every any team that would be in for him, Wolves, I think, are interested again. Um, you know, he could play at an Everton. So I think we could get a bit of a bidding war going. And the one thing that will um, kind of keep Edu's stock high in the fans' eyes, I think, is not selling cheap. On someone like can make the Nulls, if this was another club, they'd get at least 25 30 million for him. And I think we can, and we should, play hardball with him. And if you'd asked me a week ago about Mustafi, I'd have said, literally, don't give us any cash and I'll drive him there for you because I just want him gone. <laughs> But suddenly, if Liverpool, who are in absolute disarray defensively, if they like the look of Mustafi's legs, then yeah, I tell you what, it's going to cost you at least 5 million. Yes. We're actually asking for 10 5 or 10 million, and yeah. you will pay it or you're going to lose the league. And that's how you start, you know, throw your weight around a little bit. Mm. Um, and I think if we do those things, then we'd have to um, not only give Arteta a bit of credit for how things have gone, but also give Edu for a way that the. Clubs, finances and ins and outs are being married, uh, managed in recent times. And I think that the, the key thread there, Johnny,
3: is that um, everybody makes mistakes, but only um, truly talented people learn from them quick. And I have to give it to Edu. like He's pivoted very fast to a better model of operating. And he's, he's done better than most managers at getting players out. And I like the new profile of players that he's bringing in. So, um, yeah, people are learning their lessons. So that's good news for Arsenal fans moving forward. Um, right. Thank you, guys, for uh, joining on the podcast. Johnny, um, Like tell everyone where they
2: can find your podcast. Oh, well, I have now set up a YouTube channel called OoToBe, Double um, i I'll probably be on there tomorrow or by the time this is out, just doing some extra thoughts, even though I've done a bit of a fault dump on this podcast, I'll uh, try and think of some more new interesting angles. I'll try and work out, you know, the Kobayashi thing and, and the usual suspects and saying like, you know, drop my cup on the floor. So yeah, um, for insights, do check it out. If you do come on my channel, give it a like and subscribe, you know, we're trying to grow everything. So uh, that will be appreciated. Dom, sports
3: director in the making. Tell us where we can find you.
0: Yeah, I'm uh, I'm normally on, on Twitter or Instagram, uh at Domi D O underscore L D N on Instagram and under at uh, Domi D O underscore Daniel on um Twitter, chatting all things, football, sport, Bitcoin as well. If you wanna hear me rant about that. Um yeah, catch me there.
3: Awesome. And Matt, we never tell anybody what, what you do, but... Uh, I'll, I'll be on Robin Hood, mate. <laughs> buy, buy some of that dough coin. <laughs>
1: <Get> <laughs> to the moon!
0: Awesome. <laughs> get yourself a Lambo and a girlfriend. Love it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> awesome, guys. Thank you very much for joining the pod this week. It's been a brilliant one. If you listen to this podcast, get on iTunes and give us a five-star rating. Say something nice about the guests give and pay it forward and everything will be great in life and uh we'll see you next week we've got a tough one coming up we'll have on the whistle pod with uh, the wolves game fingers crossed for that one thanks for listening ciao for now
1: streaming your favorite shows movies live sports breaking news exclusive originals and every live wwe pay-per-view it's the office chrisley knows best and peacock original shows like funky brewster peacock watch for free upgrade for more stream now at PeacockTV.com. acast powers the world's best podcasts here's a show that we recommend Hello, I'm Greg Jenner, I'm the host of You're Dead to Me and we are back for Series 5. Yes, it's the comedy show that takes history seriously. And on this series, get ready to hear about Frederick the Great of Prussia with Stephen Fry, no less. I'm just thrilled at this history lesson. Or learn a fair old amount, that's a pharaoh joke, about ancient Egyptian queen Hatshepsut with Kima Bob. What a vibe. And take a stitch in time as we discuss the Bayer Tapestry with Lou Sanders. Oh, I'm a gog. Plus we have many other lovely historical subjects. We'll be joined by top historians. That's You're Dead to Me with new episodes every Friday. Johnny, good, isn't it?
0: ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere.
1: ACAST.com Sports Social Podcast Network